Well, well, well. Don't know why you listened to me. Both wrong this time. Unbelievable turn of events in this World Cup's semifinals, although how could you expect anything less? So in match number one, we had France not only beating Belgium, but shutting them out. France had the middle of the field completely locked down with a sign that said, go around, beat us in the air. Uh, a dangerous concept with such tall players like Lukaku and Fellaini to get on the end of crosses, but what France gets in return is a frustrated Eden Hazard, who looked great, just couldn't get through, and a non-existent Kevin De Bruyne, who did not have his best of games, which was a very bad time for that to happen. Uh, we saw Paul Pogba, a wickedly talented box-to-box midfielder for France, with some great offensive abilities, spend a lot of time almost as an extra central defender, uh, but even deeper was N'Golo Kante, a ball-winning midfielder through and through, and you would see him and Pogba switch off who springs forward on the attacks, and uh, this was a brilliant plan from Didier Deschamps, France's manager. Despite the tall options up front for Belgium, France has some height too in Varane and Umtiti and Pogba, and the plan worked out great for them, snatching the one goal they needed, Samuel Umtiti scoring off a corner kick, and after the goal, it just seemed like France was galvanized Uh, energized by this goal like they got exactly what they needed like their coach planned for a 1-0 win and it seemed like they the light bulb went off and they thought this is all going according to plan it happened and Belgium just seemed completely deflated uh, only able to put in crosses and luckily for France none were really connected on Uh, the name I mentioned a few seconds ago N'Golo Kante after this match a lot of soccer fanatics are saying he should be the player of the tournament That his ball-winning abilities, his skill at locking down the middle of the field and anticipating attacks, cutting them off before they begin, this should make him the MVP of the tournament. Usually, though, this title goes to the one with the most goals or maybe assists, you know, usually an offensive player, but not the guy who does all the work that kind of doesn't get noticed. So Conte is starting to get recognition as an unsung hero for this run that France is on, and rightly so. I mean, you can't argue with how they've gotten to the final, despite their youth and inexperience, and coming through an incredibly tough side of the bracket. And of course, you have to acknowledge Mbappe's play. It seems he's really growing into the role of world's best player. Before our eyes, insane skill and speed, not having a drop-off in performance as the pressure gets higher, and pulling off some sweet feet plays that kids practice in their backyard. I believe the commentator said filth of the highest order on his little back heel into the box. While Belgium might have been the better team on paper going into this game, and even looked better at times, especially in the beginning of the second half, which would have been a great time for them to score a goal, France showed up with their plan, ready to take on the challenge, and the better team that showed up to this game on this day won in this game. Hats off to France, and congratulations to them. In match number two, England, poor old England, I guess poor young England, um, they had every right to win this game, but I think they threw this one away, to be honest. They were the better rested team, Croatia coming off back-to-back extra time games and more travel than England across Russia. England made headlines this week after practicing with a rubber chicken, tossing it around and having a good laugh. Uh, They've been relaxed and having a good time. Bit them in the butts big time. I think a lot of harsh criticism will be levied on them, and I think rightfully so, because watching the match, they get the early opener through a stunning free kick from Trippier, but then decided to not run at the tired Croatian team. They got close to a second, uh, Harry Kane getting two chances at goal and ultimately it bouncing off the keeper from off the post. It was a pretty standard play that just didn't have the finish, but 
they just seemed okay with one goal. No one seemed eager to join the attack, sending two or three of the front players forward, and that was about it. They didn't seem to want to put the game away. I turned to my girlfriend and said, they're giving Croatia a chance, and by golly gee, Croatia took it. They did an excellent job of following up their counters, holding up the ball for just long enough to get some support, getting the players in, and eventually Perisic breaks through on the cross, and then Mario Mandzukic in extra time. I mean, this guy, he may not score the most goals, but I think he scores the most of the important goals. He shows up when it matters. Champions League finals and now World Cup semifinals, he always seems to be putting it in the net at big times. Croatia... Onto the final after the most resilience and never give up attitude you will see from any team in all of sports. As the match went on, you just saw England as individuals getting frustrated, and Croatia stayed focused and unbelievable. Kudos to them, and I gotta say, shame on England for throwing away the opportunity, not taking the advantage they were given. I will do a separate preview of the final match. Um, I'd like to just spend a little time now talking about some big news that changed the world of soccer in the last couple days. Cristiano Ronaldo, at 33 years old, is no longer a player for Real Madrid, choosing to move to Italian giants Juventus, who have not been able to claim the Champions League trophy since 1996, despite being runners-up five times since then. And they'd have to watch their Italian rivals, AC Milan, lift the trophy twice, and Inter Milan lift it once in that time. AC Milan even beat Juventus to the trophy at one point. During this same stretch, 1996 to 2018, Juventus have won the Italian League trophy 11 times, seven of those coming in the last seven years. This club wants to be on the same branding and champion level as Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United, and Bayern Munich. Those are like the four big clubs known around the world as the best, not just dominant in soccer, but also in branding and sponsorships. Um, They believe Ronaldo can bring them to that level investing what could be $340 million between the fee and wages when you add it all up. It's so much money that fiat workers in Italy want to go on strike as they are pissed that their wages keep getting cut. Fiat is co-owned by the Agnelli family, who are also part owners of Juventus, and they just dropped all that cash on one man while their workers struggle. Ronaldo already causing controversy, and he hasn't even laced up his boots yet for them. Uh, Just to put this into context... And it's a little tricky because of how transfers mature in value sometimes or inflation and currency exchange, yada, yada. But looking at the top 10 transfers of all time in value, and I'm going off Wikipedia. I think that would actually have the most accurate and up-to-date information. This ranks at number six, and the average age of the other nine transfers, including Ronaldo's transfer from Manchester United to Madrid back in 2009, the average age of these giant transfers is about 24 years old. As a Real Madrid fan, I gotta say, I am ultimately happy to see him go. As amazing as he has been for the club, a truly incredible goal scorer, I just think the timing is right. It has been tough sometimes to read the chaos he causes. Uh, Some of the time, it's just his presence. It's not even his fault, but paper's trying to sell more copies, creating rumors of will he or won't he go, and oh, he's having a spat with the owner. Uh, You know, it just, it did get a bit exhausting. And at 33 years old, he only has so many years left. And you always worry if the team is sinking wages into a player who drops off in performance because of age. You know, it's that very tricky question of when is the right time to let them go 
or when is the right time to renegotiate a contract and be honest and say, look, we want you to retire here, but we can't be paying you this much money when you're not performing that well. But there's, you know, the idea of loyalty. That certainly wasn't this year. I mean, 44 goals and 44 appearances, a goal per game, folks, bringing his grand total at Real Madrid to 450 goals and 438 appearances. In case you're curious, Messi did this the year before, 54 goals and 52 appearances. Uh, Messi's totals for Barcelona are 552 goals and 637 appearances. You do have to take into account that Messi started his career there, so there are a few years of figuring it out. Believe it or not, he was not always amazing. Nevertheless, thinking big picture, Real Madrid finished third in the Spanish League this year, despite clawing their way to a third consecutive Champions League trophy. Zidane, the coach behind it all, stepped down after that win this year, and so with this, there seems to be this notion at Real Madrid of, of those who have been there stepping out of the way to let others carry the torch even farther. I mean, it is, you've got to imagine how exhausting it is to always be the best and how much energy it drains out of you. It almost seems to compound, but the timing of all this just feels right. And now so much money is off the balance sheet for Madrid. They can bring in another young superstar who can carry the Madrid dynasty even further into the mantles of history, and they can invest in the future. And, you know, who knows? They could win, you know, 10 consecutive Champions League trophies. Um, Ronaldo is not long for this game, and he wants a new challenge uh, to lead Juventus to their much-desired Champions Cup that they haven't won since 1996. And I sincerely hope that next year's Champions League final can be Juve versus Madrid. Just imagine that. One can dream.